0: Hello everyone. I really wish I could be with you this weekend, but right now I'm up in Toronto uh, fulfilling my obligations as a board member of World Vision. We're at our annual uh, gathering meeting there. just as I, I'm trying to time myself here to only talk to you for about three minutes uh, before you have Jen come and speak on the last message called All in the Family that's part of our I Am a Church Member series. I really love this series. Um, just as a reminder, um, this is the book that we were using called I'm a Church Member by Thomas S. Rayner. Uh, this is a resource for us. It's a great book, so please feel free to check it out on Amazon and download it. It's a great read and a great understanding on this topic that we've been dealing with. Um, as we um, look f- at the end of this series, I always ask myself, what are the next steps for everybody? Um, and I, can I just challenge you just in the next couple of minutes to think about what is your, maybe your next step about really living out being a a healthy church member maybe for some of you you need to really take that next step of declaration where you go uh, come to our belong seminar uh, on Sunday February the 2nd from 3 to 5 p.m. at our Brentwood campus and it's a time for you to say okay this is what it means to be a Christian to belong to Christ and by extension to belong then to his church you can't have one without the other so we just want to encourage you to take maybe that's your next step for others of you it's um uh, the uh uh, discover your design where you um are going to come and really find out what your spiritual gifts are Um, it breaks my heart at times to think that there's people who've been followers of jesus and they don't know their spiritual gifts and how they're supposed to serve within his body we're having a discover your design uh, later on in march uh sort of after the march break Pay attention. You'll be uh, getting more advertisement about that. Um, another way, though, a next step for you maybe is just that you need to connect more. Can I encourage you to, um, uh, you know, look at the fellowship events that are happening in the life of this church? Can I just say that if, if you're part of a church family, some of your best friends, uh, some of your best associates uh, should be coming out of your church family. Yes, let it come from other places, but it certainly should be coming uh, out of your church family. And by going to those fellowship events, like the big night out, to a women's event, to a men's event, uh, for example, are, are great opportunities to connect. Uh, for others of you, though, maybe the, the, the step really is one of service. Can I encourage you that we want to see people using their, their gifts and just have a heart of service? Because that's the heart of Jesus um look for a place where you can say hey how can i help and uh, whether it's in children's ministries or a variety of ministries throughout the church love to have you come and help serve and see the joy in serving one another and serving the lord now finally i just want to sort of maybe end on a, a more challenging note maybe to be a healthy church member right now you just really need to take a step towards reconciling with someone can i encourage you again to take that step and uh you know, offer the forgiveness that we have experienced in Christ on a daily basis. If you need help in that, maybe come to one of the spiritual leadership of the church, including myself, and say, Dave, I need to, to work that out. Well, my timer just went off, so now it's time for me to shut it down and let. Jen now do her preaching. But just before I do that, can I encourage the hospitality team people right now to do one activity uh, before Jen starts preaching? And that is, we have this beautiful pledge card that we want to give to everybody. So, so hand them out and put it in everyone's hand because we wanna make this your own individual reminder about what it means to be a healthy church member. So um, take that, enjoy it, put it in your Bible, uh, put it up in your room stick it somewhere to remind yourself this is what it means to be a healthy church member. Well, there, there you go. Uh, I'm done. Uh, again, go get them, Jen. Uh, enjoy the preach. See everyone later.
1: I have giant head Dave talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even get a break when he's not here. <laughs> um, I just want to check. Wayne told me he was going to be ahead of Mr. Video and get all of the little card things out, and I saw a couple over here. We're all good. We have the, the pledge cards. That's awesome. Well, as we come into the final week in this series, I Am a Church Member, uh, we're focusing today on the question, how do I lead my family to be healthy church members? In the book that Dave mentioned in the video, um, I Am a Church Member, uh, the author Tom Rainer laments on page 57. He says, I wish my parents had taught me how to love the local church. Now, as your next-gen pastor, I like to be sounding the bell for Faith at Home all the time and reminding you how family is the number one influencer on the faith development of your children. I usually talk about parents passing on biblical truths and faith in Jesus to their kids, Um, talking Deuteronomy 6 and the Bible and all of that good stuff, but in preparing this message it helped me consider the ramifications our families can have on our understanding not just of the Christian faith but also of the local church. And so as we go into this final sermon of this series, I Am a Church Member, I'd invite you to follow along in your outline as we go. Um, if you have a uh, tablet or a smartphone, we do have the Bible app outlined there. So you can follow along digitally, or if you like paper, they're around too. You know, one thing that kind of bothers me as a pastor and a young adult is I hear a lot of people, particularly in my generation, say that they love Jesus, but they can't stand the church. Has anyone else ever heard that, that statement? People my age, they say it all the time, love Jesus, can't stand the church, can't go, I can be a Christian without the church. And I don't even know if that's possible. In fact, it's not a question. I know it's not possible. In Ephesians 5.25, it says that Jesus loves the church. It was for the church that Jesus gave his life and died on the cross. Now, if I say that I love Jesus, and Jesus loved the church enough to die for her, then what am I missing if I say that I love Jesus, but I don't love the church? In Rainer's book, he says that Christians are to fall deeply in love with the Bride of Christ. Now, why are we told to fall deeply in love with an organization that seems so broken, so messy, and so confusing at times? Sometimes people can get very cynical about this, and they say, well, why is church even a thing? Like, it seems like all we do is mess things up, and we all come here and give up our time, and... Sometimes things are too loud or it's too cold in here or we don't like whatever's going on. And we're like, why, why was God's design for you know, Christians to be in a church? And as I pondered this question in preparing this sermon, I, I really came up with two conclusions. The first thing is that God loves people. And the second thing is that God created people for community. In the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, God created man and then he created woman. And he did this so that humanity, sorry, would be in community with God and in community with one another. Even with all of our sin and all of our mess and confusion, God loves us and he wants us to be together. Now if I asked you to define what love is, what would you say? Is love happiness? Is it always agreeing? Is it always pleasing? I don't think that's what love is. Actually, I know of a great definition for love, and maybe you do too. It's found in First Corinthians 13, and this is just a piece of it. If you know it, you can start saying it with me. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. That's just a clip. You could keep going forever in First Corinthians 13. It's a great chapter. And so, this is how the New Testament defines love. And Jesus loved the church. And we're called to love the church too. Can we say today that we love the church with a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love? See, love does not always mean being in complete agreement or being happy all the time. Love is a commitment, it's an action, a choice. Jesus chose to love the church in spite of her brokenness, and if Jesus did that, then shouldn't we do the same? If your answer to that question is yes, then the next question will be, well, how? How can we love the church with this First Corinthians type of love? As I said a moment ago, love demonstrates itself in action. Love does, as if you want to be cutesy about it. And you know, I know this well because it was uh, modeled to me as a child. You see my dad has a few things he really loves. One of those things is trains. Like the, you know, the ones that go through and sometimes he's got to stop on the road cuz yeah, dad loves trains. Because he does and he has for so long, I have an understanding of trains. I know way more about trains than I probably should and it really has kind of shaped my life. Like, there are things I do, like when I go to McDonald's on West Main, I have to sit at the booth by the front window because if a train comes by, I have to take a picture and send it to my dad. (laughs) Like, dad's love of trains really does affect my life and, and how I, you know, do things. And, you know, families, lots of people love different things. Some people in this room love hockey. Some love football, so Super Bowl is a great thing. Some love music. Some love the band Hanson, <laughs> et cetera, and so on and so forth. Um, so there's all these things. We know what it's like to really love something and to kind of have it like, affect our lives, right? And so the question, I guess, or what I want to talk about tonight is if we decide to love the church the way that my dad loves trains or other people love other things, then we will do three things. The first thing that we'll do is we'll show up. Um, because my dad loves trains so much, he shows up at any and every railroad that exists wherever we are at the time. In fact, when they come to visit um, my, me here in Riverview and we have to go to shoppers, I go to the one on Von Harvey, we will go when the via schedule says that the train is coming. <laughs> so that when mom and I go into shoppers to get our things, dad stands in the parking lot and waits for the via to come. Like We, we plan our shoppers visits in Moncton based on the via train schedule, Like who does that? my family, because we're fun. Um, So people who love the church, they show up at church, both in the seat physically, but also in participating in the fellowship of the community of believers. Pastor Dave talked about this when he preached on being a unifying church member. Church members model loving the church to their family when they make church a priority. Now, does that mean that you're here 52 weekends of the year? Probably not. In fact, uh, statistics are showing that church attendance, regular church attendance is going down. And these days, to be labeled a regular church attender, that's actually somebody who's here two out of every four Sundays or Saturdays, because you guys are here Saturday. That's really only 26 hours, so just over one day of the whole year. That is not a lot when there's 365 days in the year. Now I'm not here to guilt anyone into saying, well now I have to get out of everything else I enjoy in my life and always be at church every single weekend. I'm not saying that. Your attitude in showing up to church each weekend is just as important as actually being here. Other loves such as sports, travel, family time, all of these are important and valuable things too. One approach might be to talk as a family and ask the question, how many weekends in a calendar year do we want to be in church as a family. Maybe you can set a goal and say, well, for this year we're going to aim to be in church this many weekends. I said, maybe you could say 30, and actually Todd at the back was like, well, maybe you should like say more than that. And I'm like, honestly, 30 would be hard. When you consider summer vacations, when you consider snowstorms, and you consider uh, tournaments away, it can actually get difficult to say we're gonna be here this many weeks, but It's not about keeping score in the end. It's not like we all have a little scorecard and we're making sure like how many weeks of the 52 that we're actually here. But what it is about is making church a priority in your life because you love the church. In the race of church versus other activities, if church always loses every time, then do you really love her? And actually I have an example of something very practical that a family uh, did that I kind of got to know um, that said, you know what, church does matter and so we're going to make it a priority. I don't know if you guys remember the Bodner family that kind of started showing up here on Saturday nights for a while. They don't, they're not a part of our church, like they go to another church. Um, but their oldest daughter had lifeguard training on Sunday mornings. And so they said, wow, we're going to go for quite a while here and not go to church as a family. Like, that's, that's not okay. And so they actually decided to come to our Saturday evening service as a way of saying we value going to church as a family to the point that we will go to a different church that we're not a part of so that we can have that worship experience together. And they did that because church matters. It really does. So the first thing to love the church, show up. That's probably a good thing. The secondly uh, is to, you need to pray up to show that you love the church. Families who love the church pray for her and her leadership. Pastor Dave preached on this as well when he spoke on being a supportive church member. Now, does praying up the church and being supportive of her mean that you always agree? No, that would just be blind following. That's not Necessarily the same as being supportive, and back to my example with my dad and his trains. He disagrees with things. He is frustrated at um, how the Newfoundland Railway shut down because they have narrow gauge and we have wide gauge. That's how wide the tracks are, and and he's he's frustrated with how long it takes the VIA to get to Montreal because if it took if it was faster, maybe more people would go. Like we, all these conversations happen in my family. It's really weird, but. Um, You know, my dad does have things about train stuff that he sometimes disagrees with, but in the end, he still loves them and will still wait for them to come in at the station. Um, So my question to you is, how do you handle hard things that happen? How do you handle them in a healthy way? How do you handle them in your home so you're not serving up roast pastor or roast church, as Dave mentioned uh, in a sermon a week or two ago? You know, praying is a great place to start. When you pray for situations and for people, God has a chance to do two things. He has a chance to change your perspective and your heart towards the situation, and he also has a chance to move in the situation, to maybe change some things that aren't quite lining up. If your children hear you praying for your church at home, it will set up a framework in their minds of loving the church and caring for her. Even when there are hard moments, because it's not if there's hard moments, there's gonna be because we're human and that's what happens. If your family blankets everything in prayer, I can promise that perspective will change. As I was writing this, a song came to my head. I don't know, growing up in Salvation Army Church, we sang it a lot, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true, may I be more like you. You are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me, this is what I pray. When we pray, God has a chance to mold us and also mold the situations that we find ourselves in. So finally, to love the church, we need to give up. Families who love the church give up something for her because, as I said already, love is expressed in actions. It's expressed through giving up. If you don't ever give up anything for the church, then the question can be asked, do you really love her? Now, for people that you love in your life, how much time do you tend to give to someone that you love? Um, Would you give them one hour every two weeks? And then maybe even when you're chatting with them for that hour, you're secretly on your phone and not really paying attention anyway? Or maybe you do something really nice for your spouse for an hour every four weeks. Is that love? Is that really what love is? Now, I'm just a single girl standing up here, but I'm pretty sure that love requires giving up a little more than half-hearted listening and one hour of service a month. So my next question is what do you give to show your love for the bride of Christ? How often does something else, whether it's a hobby, an activity, or something of that nature, lose so that church can win sometimes? How do you demonstrate to your family your love for Jesus and for his church? What we're dealing with here is an attitude shift, a changing of priorities. It's not legalism, saying, "Well, we've got to do this in church, so like, forget everything else. we've got to, you know, tick, 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 OK, now I love the church." If we're not talking about legalism here, we're talking about a change in attitude, a change in priorities. If church always loses, you need to ask yourself if you love the church. If your family hasn't given up a single thing for the church, do you love her? You see, in order to be a functioning church member, which, surprise, surprise, Dave also preached about that, (laughs) we have to be working in the body of Christ, sacrificing a part of ourselves so the whole community can thrive. Serving as a family, actually, is one of the best ideas ever, and I just wanted to highlight maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, maybe I should give up more to do the church, but how do I model that to my family well? Um, I know even just within my circle of volunteers I have in this church, I have many, many families that are serving together. Um, The Cogswells, they serve together on hospitality and the kids ministry. The Christie's, Berrios, Rogers. In fact, the Promised Land uh, ministry team at Brentwood, three out of four of our teams are parents and kids. <laughs> and they go in every, like, on their rotation and they, and they do kids ministry. And that is such a value-added experience because not only are they giving up some of their time to serve others, but they're doing it together. And the kids are seeing the parents work and the parents are seeing the kids. And it's just a really great win for families when that can happen together. Christ gave his life for love. He gave his life because he loved the church so much. So if he did that, then what should we give? What is the next small step we can take to love the church by giving up? What attitude change do we need to pray about? Now, I've been poking fun at my dad this whole sermon, so I figure I'd better end it on a good note before he jumps through the YouTube screen at me and tries to strangle me. Um, my dad has left a legacy on my life. I will never be able to see another train without my heart racing and getting excited to see what kind of cars were on it and taking out my iPhone and sending a picture to my dad. But you know, my dad left another legacy on my life as well. My dad loved our church, the church I went to growing up. He showed up to church faithfully. I distinctly remember some Christmas Sunday mornings when dad would go to church to lead the band and I was like, but it's Christmas, where are you going? And he was going to church. My dad prayed up regularly for our church and its leadership, and he gave up much. He served as the bandmaster of our brass band for 27 years in the same role, uh, overseeing a, you know volunteer role, overseeing about 38 people in the band, while he was a full-time band teacher at school as well. My dad gave up a lot for our church. You see, you can't teach your family to love something that you don't love yourself. I really think today I have a love for the church because of the example that my dad and my mom gave me um, as I was growing up. If you truly love the church, your family will see it and they'll learn to love it too. Now remember, what we're talking about is not legalism. You could go home today and make sure your family always shows up, prays up, gives up, and you would still not love the church. And this is actually a play on words from our giving phrase that we had a little while ago, but I'm gonna say it anyway. You can show up, pray up, give up without loving, but you cannot love without showing up, praying up, and giving up. Love is action, so I wanna challenge you today to move to loving the church more so that we can become a more healthy member of the bride of Christ who he loves so much. Let's just take a moment to pray together. Dear God, thank you so much that you love us And that, God, you wanted us to be in community. You created us to be that way, God. You created man and then woman, and then you stuck us together. And now we find ourselves in the local church context, um, trying to make sense of everything in this world. God, I thank you that you loved the church so much that you sent your son Jesus, God, to die to forgive us. And, God, you love the church to do that. And so the question tonight is what... What do we need to give? How do we need to show our love for this church? So God, I just pray that as we wrestle through this this question and as we uh, look towards the Lord's Supper, God, and really celebrating the gift that you have given, I just pray, God, that you would work in our hearts, um, stir up in our minds um, some things that you would like us to focus on, God, to take us from where we are to where we need to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right now I'm going to invite for the cross to come back to the stage. And um, if you've been here for the last uh, number of weeks, you know that we're ending um, each of these sermons a little bit differently. We do have a pledge for you to consider every week. So if you have your outline, um, there's going to be a little piece on the bottom you can tear off and consider um, as we're um, preparing to... Uh, take up the Lord's Supper together. And today's pledge is I will be an example to my family church member. I will lead my family to be healthy members of this church. We will worship together in our church, show up. We will pray together for our church, pray up. We will serve together in our church, give up. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with this church because he gave his life for her. Now, as we consider signing this pledge, we're just going to take a moment um, to pray over this pledge and this decision. This isn't something we want you to do just because, well, everyone else is you know, signing it, so I better do it too. We really want this to be a time where you can um, speak with God and ask him where he's leading you to go. And if it does help you move in this direction by signing this pledge, and we want to encourage you to do that. But let's just take a moment first to pray. Lord, you remind us that Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. Help us to see our church the way Jesus sees it. And help us to put our love into action as we commit to regularly worshiping, worshiping together, praying for, and serving in our church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.